everyone. For the past three months, we have been watching church online. It's not quite the same as meeting together. In fact, it's nothing like meeting together. Uh, but it's, it's been a great thing to be able to do. And for the foreseeable future, we will continue to be watching church online. What has changed, though, is our ability to gather. Now, for some people, uh, their preference would be uh, not to actually re-engage by gathering with other people, and that makes perfect sense for them. Uh, it may be that they're vulnerable to COVID, or they may be caring for people who are elderly or vulnerable themselves. And that's completely fine. The fact that we are able to gather doesn't mean that we have to gather. But for others, uh, gathering has been a really important thing, and uh, they've begun gathering in homes or gathering here at church, uh, either to do small group together or to actually watch the service online. And we want to encourage you to keep doing that. If you've been inviting people over and actually doing online church together in your home, uh, please keep arranging that. It's a great way to connect with other people. Now, from July 5, we will recommence gatherings here on the church property in Clines Road. We will be doing so in accordance with New South Wales health guidelines to make sure that we minimise any risk of infection. The times or when we will gather will be at 8.45, 10.45 and 5.30. And that's a very deliberate thing because we want you to be able to reconnect with the congregation that you were once part of. And you can tell I'm here in Clines Road because we've got helicopters going overhead, right? <laughs> anyway, it is an intentional thing. So we would love for you to sign in to the time that represents the congregation that you were part of. It is the same time and there will be familiar faces, but there are quite a number of things will be that will be quite different from church as you remember it. The first will be that you need to register in advance. Our main auditorium can hold a maximum of 50 people under the four square metre guidelines. So you will need to register in advance and I'll come back to that in a, me- a minute. Secondly, it's important to remember that it, this will not be a live service. We will be gathering together and we'll be watching church online, but there will be some live component in our interaction and as part of the service as well. Uh, Thirdly, we will be sitting one and a half metres apart from each other, so that's going to feel very different. And fourthly, we won't be able to sing, unless you're sitting in the very front row, of course. Uh, But generally, we're asking people not to sing. However, there are other ways to worship, and so it's an opportunity to be creative. How can I worship without singing? I can worship perhaps if I know sign language, or I can worship using my body, my hands, my legs, uh, if I can dance. Uh, It may be that you, you take up bannering. Whatever it is, there are ways to express our worship to God, but we won't be singing. And lastly, we'll be doing things that minimise physical contact between people. And so we won't be taking up a physical offering. Uh, We won't be having morning teas or suppers. uh, And we won't be sharing in communion over these coming months either. So I just want to run through how this will actually work starting on July 5th. So the first thing, as I said, is you will need to register in advance. Ways you can do that will be outlined in this week's e-newsletter, but effectively you'll be able to do it online or you'll be able to do it by contacting the church office. It's really important that you let us know everyone in your family who is coming, be that adults or be that children as well, because there will be child mining for younger children up to year four as well as a youth program for our young people. Second thing that's really important to know is we don't want to see you if you are unwell. Okay, so please don't come onto the property if you exhibit any kind of flu-like symptoms, uh, whether it's a runny nose, a sore throat, running a temperature, please do not come. Even if you've registered and you, and, and you, uh, you, please do not come. 
Thirdly, uh, you will need to sign in. You'll get your name ticked off. You'll be greeted out here at the front and uh, your name will be ticked off uh, from your registration. So please proceed here with your children and with your young people. And whilst you're outside and your names are being registered, uh, the children will be heading down to the playground where the child mining will be and also if it's bad weather we'll be using the basement as well. Young people will be heading to the seminar room uh, further down toward our church offices and so they won't go into the auditorium, they'll go directly to those spaces. Uh, thirdly, the doors will be open uh, so you don't actually have to open a door. Uh, now that's going to be a little bit chilly if it's a day like today which is absolutely freezing uh, but that's just one of the ways we need to do things. Uh, so you proceed through uh, and then we'll go in and we'll have a look at the seating. So the seating is still a little bit of a mess from Sunday night's gathering, uh, but you get the idea of what it'll be. There will be 50 chairs set up, so we won't uh, get you to set up your own chair. The chairs will already be set up and they'll be set up an appropriate spacing for four square metres. Uh, so when you're ready, you come in and uh, and find your seat. Uh, obviously, there can be interaction between people, but what we would ask is that you respect uh, the 1.5 metre uh, distancing between people. Now, you may be very comfortable in giving someone a handshake or a, a hug or anything like that or standing close to them but we would ask that you respect other people's uh, needs and their preferences and just make sure that you don't intrude into their space. Uh, so this is where the seating will be and we will watch the service, we will engage with each other in other ways. At the end of the service we are going to um, ask every person who's here and who is able to, to actually clean their chair. It will be uh, cleaned firstly with detergent to remove the oils and secondly there will be uh, just a disinfect as well. And if you could do that prior to the next service coming in, that will be much appreciated. Well, regardless of whether you meet here on the church property or whether you continue to meet in homes, which we strongly encourage many people to do, uh, we just continue to ask uh, that you be really mindful of others, to be caring for them, to be watching out for them. Uh, but in those times when you are interacting, uh, just respect uh, different people's preferences for how much contact, how much physical contact they'd like to have. Well, personally, I'm really looking forward to seeing you all. Uh, I really have missed seeing many, many, many of your faces and I'm looking forward on July the 5th to see uh, at least maybe 50, maybe 100 or 150 of you across the, off, across the day. Thanks a lot. Look forward to seeing you soon. Hey church fam, welcome to our online service for this week. My name's Ben and I'm one of the youth pastors here at Paramount Baptist Church and this is Kayla and she's uh, one of our awesome youth leaders. Um, and, and we realize that for most of you who aren't, well, for all of you who aren't a part of our youth ministry, you probably don't have much idea of what youth has looked like for these past few months uh, because we haven't met in person since March. Um, but we don't want to give up the opportunity to connect with young people. So we've made sure that we still have been able to do that uh, by moving online to some video conferencing calls for our Friday night youth group um, and also for our Bible studies and short courses. And I, although it's been difficult at times, lots of technical difficulties, um, we've actually loved looking back, I guess, from where we are now and seeing the things that God has been doing in our young people and in our group. Um, and so I actually want to ask that question of you, Kayla. Like, like, how have you found this season as a youth leader on the ground with a bunch of young people? How have you found leading? 
Yeah, so it's definitely been quite challenging at times, but it's actually been really encouraging as well. Um, just being able to connect in a new way with some of my girls. Um, and we've also been using Bible discovery method, which some of you guys may know. And it's just been, yeah, so encouraging to be able to see, like, to read a passage together and for each person to get something completely different, um, out of it and for God to speak to all of us. Um, and it's been so, so encouraging to see the girls, um, come up with a challenge or a commitment for themselves during the week and actually, go out and do it and for God to move in their weeks and then for them to report back the next week. So it's been really encouraging to see that God's still uh, working through our youth ministry and that they are growing as well in their faith. Yeah, so cool. Uh, If you want to hear more about our youth ministry, uh, come and chat to us, find another youth leader, see how they're going. Um, But please, uh, as a church community, I just want to ask you, would you be praying uh, for our leaders as we continue to, um, yeah, meet young people and, and share Jesus with them, but also for our young people themselves as they're going through this season. Um, thank you for that. Uh, so next week, uh, we're actually going to be gathering together, or a number of us are 50 to be specific at once, um, three times on Sunday at 8.45, 10.45 and 5.30. But if you want to join us before you rock up, make sure that you have, you register because we can only fit 50 people on site. Um, so head to the video description. There's a, a link to a, a registration form. Make sure you go there and let us know um, that you're keen to come or give us a call. So these gatherings aren't going to look like our church services used to or what you might see as normal. Um, and like, I guess that's what life looks like at the moment for me, for Kayla, probably for you. Life looks a little different. Um, definitely not the normal of earlier in this year. Um, and, and we want to be really conscious and aware um, that we don't just default back to the, the way that life was. Um, and instead, we want to look over this season and see how God has been moving and what he's been teaching us. Um, so, Kayla, as you've looked over this season from where you are right now, what has God been teaching you personally? Yeah, so uh, from the beginning of this year, I felt God placed the word trust um, on my heart. And it's been really interesting at the beginning of the year, not knowing how that was going to play out. Um, but I think I've just been able to see that through all seasons, um, God is dependable and that I can trust in him. And so I think I've just been learning how to do that and how that when I do trust in him, he comes through and he's always there. And I think it's a very simple truth, but it's something I really needed to grow and learn in this year. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Um, there's been a cool resource uh, put in the form of a survey um, for you to, yeah, to help facilitate a reflection for you. So head to the video description and fill it out. And as a pastoral team, we'd also love to hear your reflections as well as we seek to lead our church community forward out of this season. Um, so please be in contact. Um, now we're going to jump over to a time of worship. So thank you, Josh, and to the team. Hello, church. It's great to have you worshipping with us wherever you are. Uh, As I've reflected on the last few months, uh, it has really caught a lot of us, all of us, really by surprise. But uh, there's someone who hasn't been caught uh, by surprise in this, and that is our God. And uh, as I've reflected also on uh, the things that I've seen happening through this time, uh, recognize that, that God is still above all this. God is good. God is, is great. And he's been showing his greatness, his power and his mercy, even in spite of what's been going on around our world. The song we're about to sing now has these lyrics. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, God, you have done great things. I wanted to read of this truth from Psalm 145. 
Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Let's sing together of the great things that God has done.
145, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope. Restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Sing, you give life, you are love. Shout your praise, our hearts. 
hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Today's reading is from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, from verses 12 to 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. For the past three months, we haven't been able to come to church like we used to. Uh, it's looked really different. There's no live sermons, there's no live worship, um, there's no prayer ministry after the service, there's definitely no handshaking, no hugging, no morning tea, no supper. I think the thing that I miss most and have missed the most over the past three months has actually been uh, just the loss of corporate worship. Um, I love what we've been doing online, but there's something about being present with God's people and for a couple hundred voices to be lifted in worship. Um, that That's just a beautiful thing. I've missed also just watching the interactions across the generations from the youngest in our church through to the oldest and just just those things, uh, again, that just don't happen online. And I've missed people. I, I really have. I've, I've missed being with people. But this is a time that can sharpen our focus on what the church is and a time that can jar us out of any complacency that it may have set in. Now, you may know this section of road, but between the central coast and between Newcastle, there's just this deadly, boring section of road. Uh, it really is a matter of put your cruise control onto 110, point the car in somewhat like the, the, the right direction, and just go to sleep for the next hour. No, you shouldn't do that, but you know what I mean. It is deadly boring. But just as you're about to come to the end of that section... Um, We've got the choice of going left onto the New England Highway or going right up to Hexham and the Pacific Highway. All of a sudden, this beautiful, smooth road develops some bumps in it. It's kind of like bump. And then the further you go along, it's bump, 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 bump. And the more you go, the more the bumps come. And it's quite jarring because I liked my smooth road. I liked just coasting along at 110. But the jarring of my car actually serves a, pers- a, a purpose it actually wakes me up to a reality uh, that in a, in a kilometre or two, I'm actually going to have to make a decision about which way I go. And I think the reality for us at this time is that we have been jarred into thinking about what it means to come to church. The reality is that we should never have been coming to church in the first place. Uh, God did not establish his church, and Jesus Christ definitely did not intend that we would come to church. He wanted us to be the church. When Jesus said he would build his church, he he didn't point to a a block of land over there and say, I'm going to build my church over there. Uh, Jesus pointed to Peter. He directed this at Jesus and he said, I will build my church on the confession of faith that Peter declared. Uh, When Paul said that he built a church in Corinth, again, he's not pointing to a, a block of land on which he built a building. He points to a a group of people gathered upon their confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if we've been in church for any time, we we know this to be true. 
But it is so easy for us as Christians to put on cruise control when it comes to coming to church and slip into a pattern of thinking that says that church is something I go to or that church is a service or a program that I attend, something that I do. Now, Kathy, my wife Kathy has family in Europe and we've made two trips over to Europe. One, the first time was to meet them and the second time was because we liked meeting them and we thought we'd go back and see them again. But Europe is amazing in that there are so many churches, like you've never seen as many churches as you'll see in Europe. And there are so many people who visit the churches because they are so amazing. We went to a church in Rome and it was near where we were staying and I remember we went in with a tourist guide because we were tourists there and the tour guide pointed to the ceiling And he said, on the ceiling is 300 kilograms of gold that was brought across from South America. And I looked up and I thought, that's incredible. And it was. It was just this incredible golden roof. 300 kilograms. I looked it up the other day. $24 million worth of gold sitting as decoration on the roof. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? We went and saw a lot of churches. And I must confess that after a while, it got quite depressing I didn't feel like I'd gone to a church. I felt like I was visiting museums. But when we got to Estonia, there was a church in Tallinn that we really fell in love with. It's St. Olive's. And uh, it is a beautiful church. It has this very lovely high spire that you can climb up to and get great views of. At one point, St. Olive's was actually the tallest building in the world at 159 metres high. Um, But then lightning struck its spire and spire burnt down so it lost that title but the reality is when we walked into St Olis what we saw first was not a beautiful church but we saw faces because what the church had done is they'd put photos of their church all around the walls there were old faces there were young faces smiling faces Uh, there were faces that were lifted in worship Uh, there were photos of people being baptized And as we walked into the church, we were just touched by the reality of what that church wanted us to know, that we weren't to see church as the building, but that the church there was the people. And for the first time in all my visits to churches, I actually felt like I'd walked into a place where I could belong. You see, Jesus never wanted us to come to church. He wanted us to be the church. There are three pictures in scripture, three images, three metaphors, call them what you want, but they're these beautiful pictures of what it means to be church. And they reveal to us God's heart for his church. Uh, Those three pictures are family, body and temple. And we're familiar with family and we're familiar with body, uh, but the concept of temple would also have been very familiar to the people of the day. Family, body and temple. We have been adopted into the family of God. We are the body of Christ and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to talk about all those, uh, all three of those just quickly. So the first picture we have is this adoption into the family of God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul quotes uh, from the books, the Old Testament books of Leviticus and Ezekiel. And he says, uh, quoting from God, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then from uh, Ezekiel, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. 
And Paul does the same thing in Romans chapter 9, and this time he quotes Hosea. He, uh, Hosea, uh, again, speaking the words of God, I will call them my people who are not my people. I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. Paul picks up this promise of God uh, and he applies it to the church. He says, they will be my people. This is God's promise to us and it becomes our identity. We are the people of God. We are brought into his family. But more important than telling us who we are, that we are the people of God, it actually tells us something about God that God is the initiator in this relationship. God is the one who invites people to come to him, uh, to join his family. It was God who reached out to us first. It was God who wooed us to himself. And the point that Paul is making, that God's mercy and his invitation extends way beyond just the in crowd, the religious people. His family comes from all peoples of the earth. God has adopted us as his own. He embraces us into his family. He is our Father. And this is all of mercy and grace because our Father gives us not what we deserve, but he gives us what we most need, a relationship with him. We just finished our series out of 1 Peter. And uh, in 1 Peter 2, you may remember that we, we read these words. Um, again, Peter puts it this way, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The second picture of God's heart for what it means to be church is that we are the body of Christ. And this is the passage that Tim just read to us. Um, In in that passage, Paul begins by saying that we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, whoever we were, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And towards the end of that passage, uh, Paul talks about um, how God put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other, so that if one part suffers, then all the parts of the body suffer. And if one part is honoured, then all the parts of the body uh, rejoice with that. And he finishes with these words, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, Not just some of you, but each one of you is a part of it. And this image of us being the body of Christ is a a picture that Paul uses elsewhere as well. In Colossians chapter 1, in the passage where he talks about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, uh, he starts by saying, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was present and he ministered among people with, with a physical body. He was physically present with them. Jesus is no longer physically present with us. And, and yet this, this is this mind-blowing aspect of this, 
this metaphor, this picture of, of us being the body of Christ, that he is present through his people. He is present through his church. I think it's very easy to go, ah, oh, churches have no significance. Church doesn't mean much. It's just, just, just a gathering of people. Well, Paul never believed that at all. He calls us to see that being the church is no small thing, that we are the physical representation of Jesus Christ to this world. In Ephesians chapter 1, this is 22, 22, he puts it this way. He says, God placed all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You see, Paul does not see the church so much as a building or as an event or even a gathering. Paul says that being the church, being the body of Christ, means that there exists between us and Jesus Christ this ongoing connection. We are with Christ and Christ is with us. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. Christ is present in his church. And as a head is to its body, so is Christ to his church. There is this unbreakable, inseparable connection that exists between Jesus Christ and his church. It is no small thing. And not only are we connected with Christ, but this imagery of the body speaks also of us being connected with one another. And this metaphor of the body works so well. A healthy, well-functioning body is meant to work together in harmony. We understand that our feet should work in time with each other. Our hands should be able to coordinate with each other. All of our bodies should work as one body. It's not always the case, but we get the picture. So being the church means that we are deeply connected, not only with Jesus Christ as the head of the body, but also with one another. And this picture is a great call to seek unity whilst embracing diversity. The reality is we are not all the same in the same way that different parts of our body don't look the same. We are not all the same who are part of the church. We come from different backgrounds. We have different personalities. Uh, We have different ideas. We have different cultures that we've come from. Paul says that makes no difference. As the body of Christ, we exist, this incredible diversity, we exist with a beautiful unity. I think the reality is it's much easier to love Jesus sometimes than to love the people that Jesus loves. You understand what I mean? But we can't separate those two things. We can't say that we love Jesus, but we don't love the people that he loves. When we come to Jesus Christ, Paul says we join the body of Christ, which means that we are not only in him, that we are not only connected with him, but that we are connected with other people who love him. Uh, The body of Christ is a body of people who love one another, who serve one another, who bear with one another, who forgive one another. And the beautiful thing is is, is that as people, both within but especially outside of the church, see this, is as they see the way in which we love, they see something of the nature of the kingdom and they see Jesus. The third picture of God's heart for what it means to be church is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the physical temple in Old Testament times was this tangible reminder 
that God was present with his people. They, they didn't think that that's where God lived as such, but it was this tangible reminder that God was with them. And so when the Babylonians destroyed the temple, there was this crisis of faith. How could God let this happen? Paul uses this imagery of a temple and says, rather than a temple made of stone and wood, we as believers in Jesus Christ, uh, both individually but also collectively, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, he speaks of, of how we are individually the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? But then he speaks also of the gathered community, the, the larger gathering of God's people as being uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, he says these words, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So this image of the temple. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians 3, he he says much the same thing as he addresses the church in Corinth. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. We are adopted by the Father. We are the body of Jesus Christ and we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit not only birthed the church on the day of Pentecost, but he remains with us, dwelling both within and among us. It is the Spirit who gives life and power to the church. It is the Spirit who produces love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control within us individually. We live by the Spirit. We are called to, to keep in step with the Spirit. And it is the Spirit who brings unity to the church. And um, I'd just like to encourage anyone who would like to, to join our Life in the Spirit course, end of July, uh, where we explore just the way in which the Spirit is at work in our lives, but also in the life of the church. Who are we? We are the family of God. We are the body of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And these pictures lift our vision of what the church is. It lifts our vision above that church is somewhere where we go. It lifts our vision above that church is something that we attend uh, or something that we watch. It lifts our vision uh, above even that church is somewhere where we belong or somewhere where we serve. These are all good things about the church, but they're not the vision of what God has for us in being church. This crisis has caused us, and particularly when we were not allowed to meet together in groups, it caused us to ask the question, well, how can we do church then? How can we be church? How can we do church? But that was not the first question we asked. And it's not the first question that should have been asked. The first question to ask is why? Why are we church? Why are we the church? Why has God called us to be church And these three pictures, uh, these pictures of family, of body and of temple, they reveal that the why is because God is wanting to reveal to all people the very nature of his kingdom. The why starts with the church being a glimpse, a flawed glimpse, an incomplete glimpse, I, I, I accept, but a glimpse nonetheless of God's kingdom. 
a kingdom of grace and love where people belong to God's family, not on the basis of merit, but through their faith in Jesus Christ. A kingdom that is made up from all tribes and all nations. This incredible diversity of people gathered together, united in Christ as family. The church is not the kingdom of God, but the church is called to be a reflection of it. And the how, how we are to be church, flows from the why. Um, One of my favourite passages comes from Colossians chapter 3. And uh, in there, what Paul does is he talks first about us lifting our eyes to Christ, but then the how flows out of that. So he starts by saying, "If then, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You see, he calls us to, to set our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ. This is what drives the how. The why is to reflect the kingdom. The how is to set our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ. And we do that when we gather. We do that in church, when we come in worship, when we come read his word, when we pray for one another, when we listen to the voice of the Spirit in our midst. You see, that's the how. And then in Colossians 3, Paul goes on and then he talks about more now, but it's the connection with each other. As we set our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ, then, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another. You see, there's this connection with God, but also this connection with each other. We are the one another to each other, and we all have a role to play. Being church is not a spectator sport. A friend of mine puts it this way, he said, we all get to play. Over these past months, uh, there have been some really difficult circumstances for people to grapple with. Um, Issues around health or employment. For for some people, it's the loss of work. For others, it's, it's just the demand of work. It's been encouraging, though, just to see how people have responded to the needs. Meals have been made, hampers have been put together, um, gifts have been given, phone calls have been made. Um, there's just been a reaching out as needs have, be, have been made aware of. Uh, people have reached out with love and expressed love in a very tangible way. And this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And we are called to be salt and light, not just to those within our church, but we are called to be salt and light to the whole world. We are called to be living and breathing examples of what the kingdom of God is like. You see, this crisis has taken us back to the essential question, why? Why are we church? And out of that, how can we be that? How can we be the church? And the questions of where and when are we church is no longer tied to a a place or a time because we are now church anywhere and we are church anytime. We gather in homes, we gather at Kleins Road, we gather in Church Street. But in a sense, the location is unimportant, as is the when. Do we gather for 75 minutes or do we gather for 50? It doesn't really matter. I miss our gatherings. I miss the corporate worship. But this season has not changed who we are, who we are called to be. We are the family of God. We are the body of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so may God lift our vision 
to what he has called us to be as his church. Allow me to pray. So, Father, we thank you that in Jesus Christ you have called us to yourself and you have called us into the body of Christ and made us to be a temple of your Holy Spirit. May we live that out every day in every place where we are. And in the words of Paul's prayer, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
never been, there will never be a God like you, love so true. There's never been, there will never be a God like you, love so true. There's never been, no, there'll never be a God like you, love so true. There's never been, there'll never be a God like you, love so So thank you so much, guys, for joining us online today. And thank you so much, Steve, for sharing with us. Uh, be blessed as you guys go and be the church this week.